0: Hello, this is Lisa Larose here on Connect to Love on PRNFM and I'm joined by the amazing and wonderful Michael J Russ who always inspires me to want to be a better person and uh, I re-listen to a few things that that Michael and I have had done on a show not that long ago and it just Michael, I just have to tell you, your words touch my heart each week in more ways than you can even imagine. And I just hope and pray that our audience also finds value in what it is that we have to share because there is so much, so many treasures to be found along the way. So welcome, Michael. (laughs) I just say thank Thank you. you. I wanted to make sure that I acknowledge that.
1: You are always full of such beautiful words yourself. And yes, you've been inspiring me for a long time. Uh, and I, I, you know, it's just, if we, if I can encourage our listeners to do one thing, it's it's to um, seek out a, at least one relationship like what we have, where we support each other. We're not judgmental. Um, we discuss things because everybody really needs somebody that, that is, that, who they trust and admire and who they know is non-judgmental and unconditional that can, um, they can bounce something off of, you know, we, you know, bounce ideas all the time. That's, that's one of the uh, things. I just did a podcast about that, where you you talk about, um, your intentions, goals, and dreams. And it's, it's always wonderful. And and again, it kind of ties in with our current topic that we want to talk about uh, today, which is self-discovery. Uh, We Mm -hmm. learn from, we learn about life by exposing ourselves to experiences, to saying yes, to jumping outside of our comfort zone and getting to know something new, getting to know somebody new, Um, trying something that, uh, or excuse me, not trying, but attempting to do things that, that we otherwise wouldn't do however we say you know what i'm going to i'm going to give this a shot and you can say yeah i did it i did it i liked it i didn't like it here's what i liked about it here's what i didn't like here's how it made me feel um it it's uh i'll tell you a little story a little story about uh that kind of sets this whole thing up we were in the philippines when i was nine uh, i think it was yeah i was 9 years old and um my mother was driving uh me from somewhere i think i went to the commissary the, the the post exchange to to get food with her and stuff and supplies and you know, we were coming back and i i spotted in the in the field i spotted in, in, next to the football stadium because it was clark air base and there were um literally thousands of people and there was an actual mini football league uh, the various branches of the military army um and uh air force and the like because there was there were different areas of it that had football teams. And they used to play football. They had a little football league. It was great. But I saw these these uh, youth with blue jeans and black shoes and white T-shirts, and they were marching. They were marching, you know, like drill sergeant kind of marching. And uh, And they were singing, and they were singing in cadence and doing this stuff. And I drove by, and this is the – musician and you know mr creative and all of that kind of stuff and i I looked at my mother and i said hey i want to go try that and she 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 turned around looked at me she said what you want to try that something that is uh organized and uh uh and and disciplined yeah and i said yeah i want to do that it scared the heck out of me when i said it (laughs) after i said it however uh, I did, and I, I joined. I went and got the blue jeans and the black dress shoes and the, the white socks and the T-shirt that matched everybody, and I went out there and I did it. It was so much fun. It was so much fun marching in cadence and doing these drills like, like you do if you're in uh, basic training, you know, and it was, it was really a neat experience. And I to this day, I remember, I remember everything about it, every nuance of it and how confident I felt in actually doing something that involved some discipline and having to be coordinated with other people, you know, sort of a team kind of thing. And we actually did this. We, we drilled, and we, there was a purpose behind what we did. We drilled during the halftime of the football games. Awesome. So, we got a, yeah, we got a chance to actually perform. This is another way of performing. And showing her stuff, and it was appreciated, and I had a great time doing it. Uh, <laughs> I told him, ah, I would love to him.
0: see some photos.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't think we have, have any. An you know? I don't think my mother, my dad took any uh, any uh, Super 8 movie film of that back in the 60s. Oh. This was 1960. Oh my gosh, 1960. Uh, the eight, it was 68. 1968, 69. Yeah, 1968. Um, wow. Sometime in that year. Yeah, really, really kind of interesting. Back then, all we had was Super 8 movie film. That's super fun, though. Uh, Yeah,
0: and it's so interesting because you again, you're so in tune
1: with where
0: what I was thinking about this morning, um, and it has to do with music uh, and that connection and how music moves our our soul. And over on over the weekend, I went to see a a young man who his name, he goes by Dixon's violin. And what's mm-hmm. so interesting about Dixon is not unlike what we're we're speaking about, he was as a young man he studied classical violin but had to get a real job, quote unquote real job. And so he got into the tech industry. He did software coding and all kinds of stuff. And he became kind of like the guru in in his field and people looked at him because he was so good at what he did and he said he ended up going to a festival where he looked around and everybody was having more fun in his life than him and mm-hmm. he said you know what it was a rude awakening because he he thought to himself you know what is it that i'm doing wrong why you know what is it that i want to do and So he thought, you know, what what I loved doing was playing the violin. And he said, most people said, well, you're not going to be able to do that. You know, you're not going to be able to make any money at it. You, um, you know, there's no way you can have, you're you're going to need a band behind you to even think about becoming famous or whatnot. And he basically followed his passion. And he did a TED Talk um, about creating a song that didn't exist before. And that's what he does at the beginning of every performance. He literally writes a song and performs it on stage live, but it never existed. And he said he doesn't know what's going to come out. And it's just, it's amazing and it's beautiful. And it's really the epitome of what it means to, to take a chance and really follow your your what it is you want to do and it was so interesting michael because you had mentioned at the end of last week's show on vulnerability that you wanted to explore self-discovery self-exploration and that was exactly what he started speaking about in between each one of his sets and i mm-hmm. spoke with him after and i asked him if he'd like to come on the show and he said absolutely so uh, we're going oh, we'll to on. arrange that between you oh, yeah. know, I yeah, because there you know, I actually filmed a couple of things. I'll post some of the clips of his wisdom. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. you know, it makes you wonder, you know, you have to ask yourself what would happen if you gave yourself permission to go after your dreams and desires? What do you mm-hmm. want to be? What do you want to be? Where do you want and I and I think that in this world we sometimes limit ourselves because, you know, you you expect either whether you go to college or you graduate high school you go to a trade school this is what you're going to be and you look for a job in that field and that's what's expected and you know you, in years ago people stayed in the same job many many years um, they retired mm-hmm. with their pension and it was very unheard of that anybody would think about leaving their company You sort of became like a company man or woman and you stayed there until it was, you were ready to retire. So, you know, I think that, you know, we have the opportunity to shift our perspectives and really ask ourselves, and that's what you know, the deep exploration of self discovery is all about. You know, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, you know, Michael, what do you want to be when you grow up?
1: <laughs> wow. Um, I, I am actually, interestingly enough, by at least where I am right now at 64 plus, I I am very clear on the fact that my, a lot of what I do is being, and what I have done over the past 38 years or so is just being of service to people to And and it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily because I convey a a product or service. It's really about, I've come to understand, it's really about um, helping other people trust, and themselves have confidence in themselves and the decisions, and helping them see, helping alleviate stress in people's lives, and that's what my other, you know, position, my, my main career is, is about, uh, and the the writing of books, uh, the creation of note cards and journals. Uh, over the years, and uh, everything that that surrounds this other life I have away outside of that, is really also about being of service to people, showing people that that they can uh, express the creativity uh, that everybody has um, the opportunity has some sort of gift that, or one or two or three that they have uh, that <clears throat> they they are very good at. And mm-hmm. I'm certain that the gentleman that you're talking about, uh, that you described in the beginning of this of this program, uh, it, it had a sort of a, a, a he has a, he has a, a gift to play the violin. Maybe it was a gift that he didn't realize at the time. Um, and it, it, it is interesting how we what what markers we um, can't say not markers necessarily but the um we We go through life and then we we get a, a sort of a ricochet off an experience where it shifts our thinking completely you know and it's somebody you meet perhaps or this particular gentleman went uh, and discovered other people who were much more creative and having much more fun in life and and have much more life satisfaction and fulfillment than he was having, and he asked himself. What you know? What was he doing wrong? I I wrote that down because I specifically wanted to state that there is really nothing wrong, and nobody ever does anything wrong. Nobody ever makes Uh a bad decision. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever fails. Nobody ever uh, you know does anything that they shouldn't be doing. Whatever you're doing, you're going to pick up something from that. That is just part of who you are. And. To mm-hmm. judge it as something, a waste of time or beat yourself up because you wasted time or to beat yourself up because it didn't work out. All of that is completely and totally counterproductive. And it never keeps you moving forward. It has, you mired in the, it has the past written all over it. You know, it has mm-hmm. the past, what you're supposed to forget. Learn from it and then just move on. Learn from it what you can that can help you move forward and then move forward. Keep moving forward. And I, I, I love how, what he did. I love what he did. But that's, mm-hmm. that's been the recipe for, for, of self-discovery for me is to keep moving forward. Um, and if you're scared to death, get more information. Seek more enlightenment. And get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And um, pay attention to how you feel. Because how you feel is a litmus test for, for everything, whether you're doing the right thing for you and not somebody else. Um, and even though I know in the beginning of my career I had, I was scared to death every morning for about a year and a half. I mean, literally, I woke up and my stomach was turning. And until I figured out uh, how to reconcile what I was doing, because I'd had this stop virus that, you know, salespeople are bad or. Um, whatever, whatever you it, it's it, you you have that. As a matter of fact, I just say, I just had that with uh, a, a, talk, a talk with somebody um, a couple of weeks ago, where um, they had a thought virus that being a salesperson is bad. There, somebody respected. I think it was a parent or something said, you know, don't be a salesperson. Salespeople are 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 crooks. They're thieves. And this person was. It was, it was a barrier to success for this particular individual who had such an amazing personality, such an amazing attitude about themselves and about life. Yet this thought virus was, was hanging on and dictating um, how she felt. And it's really amazing that this is what we do. We let these mm-hmm. little things um, prevent us from discovering, fully discovering who we are. We allow other people to dictate that path for us, uh, to dictate how we feel about moving forward. And mm-hmm. the realization that that exists in itself is, is free. It's something that can free you to, go, to move forward. And I'm sure that the people in his industry, the people closest to him, the gentleman who was in computers, and a guru in computers, and, and then shifted to the violin, I'm sure when he, when he actually decided to make that change, or when he was thinking about making the change, I'm sure, like you just said, people said, oh, you'll never do that, you'll never be successful at that, and you'll never make any money at that. Those are just thought viruses, other people's thought viruses that they want to keep supplanting in you to keep you down. And they're really based on not you, but them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're based Absolutely. on their foibles, their mistakes, their experiences, their, their failings themselves that they're continuing to hang on to that they want to supplant in someone else. And this is, unfortunately, what people that we love and respect do, is, <laughs> you know, basically handicap us. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's what it happens. They handicap you from discovering, uh, fully discovering who you are, and what you're mm-hmm. capable of. You know.
0: Oh, I, you, know, you know, it's it's interesting because you are so in tune. <laughs> i wonder if you have a hidden camera at my house i have a a, you know my dogs have their own little space and they watch movies all the time and so this week's movie (laughs) plays plays over and over and over again on the tv for them when i'm not there is uh, um robinson's by Walt. it's a a disney movie and it's a cartoon and it was based on a, a book by william joyce and it's all about a family who literally did their own thing and you know there was no no judgment there was they were such an off-the-wall eclectic family and it was embraced in that movie but the message in the movie is all about keep moving forward and you see these banners come out to go keep moving forward keep moving forward that was the motto of the uh i guess the hero of the of the story you know, as when you get to be an adult, keep moving forward. it was based on Walt Disney. He said, "We keep moving forward, opening new doors and doing new things because we're curious. We were curious, and curiosity keeps us leading down new paths." And and I think that that's exactly what you're you're saying. You know, you you have that curiosity. You know, we think about when we are. You know, we've talked about it before. You know, we come into this world with out an instruction manual you know we forgot Mm -hmm. to bring that in instruction book that when we came and so we kind of have to go back to that curiosity what is leading us what do we look inside of ourselves what moves us what um inspires us and i think you know it was Lao Tzu that said at the center of your being you have the answer you know who you are and you know Mm -hmm. what you want and so many of us I think we look for approval, and that goes back to embracing our vulnerability. Not looking for that approval to, you know, try something new. You know, the fear of being embarrassed. Well, am I going to fail at this? Uh, when we try something, you know, yes, I, you know, I, I'll try something, and you know, <laughs> I remember when we moved to Indianapolis. We moved around a lot, and uh, the the. My mother wanted me to get involved in the community, and so I joined Girl Guides and 4-H. Now, you know, I hadn't grown up in (laughs) in a 4-H kind of a family, you know, and so we had to pick a couple, you know, to pick some things that you're good at. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know, you know. So I did drawing. I went and did ceramics, and then I did baking, and I did this little ceramic line, which I still have, and I got a blue ribbon for that, and. I don't remember what I got for my drawing, but my, I made a, a banana nut, uh, like a pound cake kind of a thing. And it was horrible. <laughs> I think I hmm. overstirred it. So you really weren't the it, baker whatever
1: then. whatever it was. Yeah,
0: no, I didn't get any ribbons for my <laughs> baking ability. But, um, you know, I, I never let it dissuade me. I like to bake. I actually like to bake more than, than other things. I, I try to shy away from pie crusts or things that you know i end up tending to knead the dough too much or whatever else it is i don't know maybe it's my
1: enthusiasm
0: for (laughs) to make sure all the ingredients adrenaline
1: complete adrenaline (laughs) coming right through your hands just kneading the heck out of the dough
0: yeah i i could you know we had to (laughs) to, of the banana nut loaf that i made we had to make a couple of them and, and i tested my own and i thought oh you know this is this is pretty bad i mean it wasn't toxic or anything it was pretty bad but it didn't dissuade me you know I did I Mm -hmm. want to do that for a profession no I you know it wasn't anything but you know I still enjoy making it making some cookies every now and then or you know I I always like to make a homemade cake for birthdays um there seems to me I'm not a fancy decorator but the love that you put into it, I think, is worthwhile, and I think people can yeah. taste correct, that. Correct. I love love making icing and experimenting with, you know, real buttercream icing and different ways you can, you know, decorate different things. But yeah, I love I, you it. Know, um, I love yeah. It. So, is there something like that with you, Michael? That you know, I know you didn't have much opportunity to participate in 4-H, but <laughs> you know, was there something oh, I, else that you enjoyed?
1: four H came later in life. I clean uh I muck stalls every horse stalls every morning now for the last year <laughs> and a half. So yeah, my That's my four H yeah, my four H came a little bit later in, in life than most people. I was on the receiving end of the of the downside of four H know? but anyway, I, I you know, it's funny, I, I, I stand there in a the stall cleaning and I tell my girlfriend, Hey, you know I love you, don't you? <laughs> you know, this is fun because because I'm sitting there, and I'm just filling a bucket and taking that bucket out and dumping it in a big van and filling another bucket, and I'm like, yeah, I just love this. Um, it's, again, that sense of completion. Uh, I could say that, uh, wow, let's see. Um, I'm fulfilling, you know, my, for me, what I love is, I don't know if you're familiar with this, with, the, with a band, Poco, P-O-C-O, Poco. It was a, yeah, it was a band from, from the mm-hmm. 80s. Right, it was a band from the 80s. And uh, as I've probably talked about uh, ad nauseum on the show, when I get the opportunity uh, to go play with someone live, I, to sit in with them, uh, I enjoy the heck out of it. And I, I challenge myself to succeed. And I bring all my focus and attention and skills to bear, my listening skills, my intuition musical intuition, I bring it all to bear in one uh, moment in time, all at the same time. And I always get through and I always succeed. So there was a uh, guy I knew, he said, yeah, I got to get a party going on, birthday party, come down to, you know, I guess it was Boca Raton at this particular resort. And he had Poco, uh, his friends, Poco came up from uh, the players, and Poco, the main leader of the band, and the players came up from Key West. And they were playing at his birthday party. And he goes, Hey Michael he goes, Yeah, hey Michael's a drummer. Sit in. and can you sit in? And he goes, Oh yeah, come on. And I'm like saying to myself, I am at the at the at the point at point in time, I am tempting to scour my mind for a Poco song. I had no idea, I could not remember anything I'd ever heard. I'd heard the name Poco, but what was their hit? What what, what did they do? So I sat down with them, and I sat down behind the drums, and I told the bass player, I said, look, all I need to know is beat, give me the time, give me the style, and I'll take it from there. And I'm going to feel my way through this because I have no idea what you guys are doing. And he goes, okay, sure. So he gave me the, the, the tempo and the style of music, And I listened, and I let my intuition take over. And I played, I think, four songs with them. And still couldn't recognize any of them, uh, even after I played them. And while I was playing them, I don't know. I just listened to, I was watching the bass player. I was listening to the cadence. I was doing all this. But like I said, all this, I've been doing this so long that I bring everything to bear in that that very, very quick instant and when we get done, the leader of the band comes over and he goes, hey, he said, that was amazing. He says, if you're in Key West, come play with us. And I said, That's awesome, fantastic. I'll make that happen. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's, it's nice to get that kind of uh, kind of compliment from people. And I know most people who would say, oh, I don't even know, I don't know anything about them. I I, you know, I'm, I don't know what I would do. And yeah, I'm like, hey, I don't care. I'm a rhythm section. I'm a walking rhythm section. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm there. And even if I don't know, I'll know we'll find something. I'm playing James Brown with some guys in Brazil in a in a in a, in a, at, a at a resort at a at a um, uh, at a particular. It was a um, it was a resort that had five hotels and they had a a, a, a shopping town center. It was called a town center. And there was a big stage in the town center, and, and a band would play there every evening. And this guy was playing this music, and it was, it was funk. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is my – it was good. It was my style of music. And I walked up during a break and I said, hey, I'm from so-and-so. Can I sit in with you? The guy goes, absolutely. Give me two songs going to the next set and come in. And I played like five songs with him. And it turns out the guy was he's a guitar player who was from L.A. And he was there teaching music to students. And oh, I said, this is, this is awesome. You know, it's, it's the, the, the aspect of self-discovery that I really love is actually putting yourself in a position where you have to rely on your own skill set, your own abilities, and you have to dig down deep to focus and make something happen. To me, I just, I just get off on that. It's really, it's really wonderful to, to actually do that. And I know I talk about golf a lot, but... Basically, when I go play a golf course I've never played before, I have to do that very same thing. There's no familiarity with anything. You're just walking into a a, a blank slate, and you have to create something from nothing because you have no idea uh, what it is that you're facing. And you do it shot by shot, hole by hole. And uh, I've, I've shot some of my best scores on, on courses I don't know because I'm even more focused because I... I can't take for granted that I've played the course many times before. And, oh, I was here. I've was i been here before. I've been there before. I've been this, and I know what the screen looks like, and I know what this looks like, that looks like. And my father taught us to play golf back when I, when I was eight years old. Uh, in, what in, a gift. In the Philippines. Yeah, he, he, every Saturday, uh, the whole family would go out to the golf course in the afternoon and play.
0: So your mom played and as well.
1: Mom played, dad played. My brother, who did play, all, will never admit it. Um, He'll never admit that he played, although I wish I had the club that he used to use. <laughs> Sorry.
0: That's you know. funny.
1: My brother's the consummate. Oh, I'm an actor. I'm a musician. And he still plays every Saturday in, in L.A. at uh, uh, what this place called the kibbets Room. Uh, he plays a 45-minute set with some other people, a blues set. Uh, and wow. uh, he's got a band that basically travels wherever there's a sci-fi convention. They always invite him to bring his band along uh, as well as you know he talks and stuff like that uh on stage about what he did or you know with the other people but it's always a lot of fun uh to um to not only and when I'm there I don't necessarily play with him anymore uh however sometimes I get up and I'll back up sing which is really kind of fun when he goes to a convention and I'm there I'll, I'll go up the stage and sing backup uh do some backup vocals for him some harmony and things because we used to do that a lot. um however I know most people who, if that's part of their self-discovery, uh, being in front of people, will uh, shy away from it because um, they are afraid that they will be ridiculed or they'll do something wrong or that. And, and what I tell them is nobody will ever notice. <laughs> no one ever notices. If I'm off a beat or off something or I miss something, nobody notices, only me. We are our only own worst enemy, right. enemy when it comes to that sort mm-hmm. of thing. We know we made the mistake. We're the ones who have to, cop to it you know be responsible for it however nobody ever notices they're too caught up in the macro picture to look at the micro which is what you're focused on right, and right. by the way uh i took home ec when i was was 12 i took home economics i was the only Magic. guy in the high school in turkey that took home economics because i told my mother i said i want i want to be I don't even think I used the word self-reliant at the time. I just said I want to take care of myself. <laughs> I want to know how to take care of myself. And that meant I needed to know nuances of cooking and sewing. And, I mean, I could sew a button on. I could darn socks. I could do whatever I need to do. Uh, sew up some pants. I could use a sewing machine. I had a business that involved using a sewing machine for about three years. Uh, I could use a sewing machine. I could make stuff. Uh, not well, I have, I can create a pattern and make some things, but I'm not making clothes, and I'm not being a tailor. Um, however, I've made pillows and other things of that nature. It's just, you know what, it's just something that I did for a while. I loved it, and it was fun being creative, waking up in the middle of the night with an idea, not jotting it down, and then in the morning when I woke up, going and creating it. That, that's okay. how creative I was. It's it, very much like you making your your, your pottery, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure.
0: Well. Do you think, I think probably too, when you're doing something like that, you almost go into a meditative state and that allows you for more in-depth exploration. And I am not a golfer. I know enough to be dangerous. I've walked the greens with different people. So (laughs) you can correct me in my analogy, but I was thinking when you were speaking, Michael, about how golf is really, it's like a a perfect metaphor for self-discovery because you have this, wide open expanse and every course is different just like each one of our lives is different and as you're walking through this expanse with this little ball, which maybe we could call that your idea or your little discovery, <laughs> you know, it's like, where are you going to hit it? Where are you going to direct it? Is it going to, you know, go the, down the fairway and end up in the sand trap? Or, uh, you know, is it going to hit, you know, the green? And, and how many tries is it going to take you to get it into the cup? Right? I, I mean, it's just yeah. so, it's yeah. just like such a perfect analogy for for life and um you know and i'd love to hear you you sort of expand on that a little bit but you know i was sort of thinking to myself you know if each week you know there's 52 weeks in a year we gave ourselves a question or something to ponder about self-discovery and i think that's what's so fascinating about self-discovery is it's really never ending you know we're never going to I hope anyway, at least for me, that I never mm-hmm. come to the end of that journey. And for you, I mean, even if it's the same course you play, uh, the actual same golf course, you're never playing the same game twice.
1: No. Matter of fact, no, you never, say, never play the whole, any hole on a golf course out of 18. You never play it the same way twice. You wish you could um, repeat all of the successes that you have, and you will on occasion. Uh, however, um, all bets are off as to what's going to happen uh, when you get up there, set up, and, and actually execute your, your swing. Um, there's a, it is so beautiful that golf is an absolute metaphor for self-discovery and for uh, life itself. And as any sport where you would actually – where you're playing not so much against yourself, but you're playing with yourself – You know, that's what you do in in golf. It's not somebody else you're playing against. Of course, you can play a game and you can bet or you can make wagers. You can do whatever you want to do. You can talk smoke or smack or whatever you want to do to other people and and just have fun at it. However, in the end, really, golf is a very revealing sport. It reveals character. It reveals how you feel about yourself. It reveals how you feel about um, about others. It reveals uh, how responsible you are. How accountable you are, it makes you um, it makes you accept the choices that you've made. It's only you against you. So basically, if things don't go well, you can't blame anything. Although everybody wants to blame everything—the club, the ball, the horse, um, other people talking or making jokes or whatever—during what you need to do. I mean, literally, you can blame a whole lot of things. Uh, however, the focus state that you're talking about is the same, I, the focus state I, I have when I play music or when I'm speaking in front of an audience uh, or anything else that I'm doing that requires me to, to be there, be present, be in the moment and project, it, uh, and take action, so to speak. It requires that I, I, on the golf mm-hmm. course. I just bring it there as well. It's true. Um, and I think it's important to for us to... Uh, ourselves in a situation where that focus state is necessary where that where you have to bring to bear all of your talents and gifts your your uh, thoughts your feelings your inner conversations and your responses to what's going on around you all of that in, in one place in one moment doing something um, and uh, that's what I love about uh, about the game and it's interesting because <laughs> I've been prodded for, for several years. I wrote a golf book back in 1998, an, an audio book, that people who they hear it, they love it, because it's, it has nothing to do with the nuance of your swing or, you know, how you hit the ball or any of that other stuff. It's all the five inches between your ears. Um, mm-hmm. That's where the game is really played. And just like life, life is played in the five inches between your ears. What you think of yourself matters. It 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 mm-hmm. matters when it comes to you trying something new. What you think of uh, of what it is you're going to do um, yourself in relationship to the world around you ma- matters. It means something. There's energy from it. There's, the frequency that you create through that thought process is is the most valuable thing, most important thing, in my view about life. And what we uh, we don't have to be golfers. Not everybody's going to golf. By the way, the number one reason people quit golf is because they um, cannot accept themselves. That's the number one reason people leave golf. They're unable to accept themselves, and hmm. their ex- yeah, their expectations are way out of alignment with with uh, what their abilities are. And golf is a game where you have to, just like life, you have to accept the limits of your abilities. Not everybody's going to be Kobe Bryant when they play basketball, or whoever, Wilt Chamberlain back in the day or any of today's stars, uh, not everybody's going to be the best baseball player. Not everybody's going to be anything. There's, there's a pyramid of things. It, it, the, the point is to, and, and reaching the pinnacle of any sport or anything that you actually do, uh, there's only a few people that are at the top. Uh, they have a very special skill. However, that doesn't mean that you can't be good at what you do. You can't enjoy, It's all about enjoying what you do. Mm-hmm. It's all about enjoying it taking a positive attitude, accountability, um, all of the little things in life that you have to do in order to keep your frequency high. not blaming yourself or someone else, not making yourself a victim of whatever happened. It's it's really interesting how people, when they're in the process of self-discovery, are are so, or can be so um, bad, hard on themselves. Mm-hmm. Hard on themselves. Like, you know, it took somebody it took somebody 15, 20 years to get to a point that you think you can get to in two. Not going to happen. You can, if you take 20 years and you put in all the focus and something that uh, I learned long ago called, it was a little term called T and T. T, the letter T and the letter T. Time and talent. Time and talent. Mm-hmm. It takes time and talent to actually be good, really, really good at something. However, you, can, you cannot follow all the rules and still be good at something if you put in the time and you have a modest amount of talent. You know, that was Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer, a uh, world-famous golfer, had one of the ugliest swings that you've ever seen. <laughs> I
0: never knew that. That's for a professional
1: golfer. Oh, yeah. Arnold Ooh. Palmer had an ugly swing. However, he had time and talent. He grew up on a golf course. Um, being, you know, taking care of it, you know, his his, his life is really, really interesting, very unique. Uh, a, a poor farm boy who basically went to the highest heights, and he was able to, he practiced enough to make the little ball do what he wanted to do his way, and that's all that counted. Even Tiger Woods would say, it doesn't matter what kind of swing you have; it matters whether the club is square at impact or not. You could dance around like Elvis as long, but if that if that club is is squared impact you're going to put the ball where you want it to go it may look weird people may laugh at you <laughs> you know mm-hmm. however they'll be laugh. you'll be laughing all the way to the bank and they'll be like what in the world just happened you know but that's just the way it is uh, i've seen drummers that look professional and i've seen drummers that didn't look professional that made the same noise that made the same that created the same music it doesn't really matter what matters is whether you're willing to discover, take the self-discovery to the, to the nth degree, so to speak. That's really what counts. And you, think, uh, you have to... Good.
0: No, I was going to say, do you think some of that has to do with belief in yourself as well? Meaning that oh, oh, like, yeah. even though you have a, a... It doesn't, you know, maybe Arnold Palmer didn't realize he had a, a horrible-looking swing. Do, did he know that? I'm just curious.
1: Or his, he, swing, he knew he did. his swing, yeah, he knew his swing was unconventional. I'm not going to say, unconventional. Was, you know, basically, I think, I think uh, the basketball player, um, Charles Barkley, has the worst swing ever. <laughs> I think of, of any golfer in the world, he's probably got the worst swing I've ever seen, anybody's ever seen. And he's always, he always gets laughed at, and he always just takes it in stride and just has fun with it, because he's already reached the pinnacle of, of the basketball world. Um, and, you know, he wants to be a good golfer, but yeah, self-belief is, is big, is big. it's huge. It even, doesn't matter what you do. Just waking up in the morning, you've got to believe in yourself. Uh, whatever you decide to do in life, you know, the best, you're, if you're a carpenter, believe that you're the best carpenter and work at it and, and, and bring your focus and attention and creativity to bear to be the best. Um, it doesn't really matter. What you do if you if you want to be the best babysitter in the world you could be the best babysitter you could be the best parent you can be the best anybody mm-hmm. if you decide that's what you want to do and you uh bring your uh belief to bear i I've seen people who have a ton of self belief not a lot of skill but a ton of self belief that have gone farther than people who have no belief and all the talent
0: mm-hmm.
1: it just it makes the difference it it totally does make a huge difference. And the question is, okay, how do I get the belief? How do I get go from not believing my, in myself to believing in myself? I get this question all the time. Um, it, it's, it's a function of you going back and assessing discovery. <laughs> yes, it's a yes, there you go. It's self discovery. Right? I, I, it is so true. You've got to go back and say, Why do I feel this way about myself? Mm-hmm. What is it that someone said? Um, what experiences have I had that have convinced me that I can't do something? And it could be something completely unrelated. Because um, we do things, We, as a child, we're curious and we try things. And then parents tell us, no, you'll never be good at that. You know, they shut us down. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to, in our lives, maintain that curiosity forever. Because um, it gets shut down when we get into into the uh, rigid, systematic school system and we get into learning and, and moving forward. Um, my number one pet peeve is that when I grew up, I'm sure when you grew up, we had uh, in, in, in high school, you had wood shop and sheet metal. You had auto shop. You had all these different modalities that you could um, skill type classes that you could go into. And I, I went to wood shop and I made my mother a napkin holder and, you know, I, I didn't go to auto shop because I really wasn't interested in fixing automobiles, but there were people who were really interested in that and went and learned and became very good at it. Back in those days, you could work on your own car because it wasn't so computerized. So mm-hmm. uh, there was a whole, uh, there's a whole a world that opens up to you when you discover that you're good with your hands, that you can throw a pot on a wheel, and you're like, wow, all of this these little things. When you start discovering, this is my self-belief. When you start, when you give yourself the ability to go to to try things, when you go and try this and you go to try that, just because you want to see what it's like, and you discover that you can actually do something, it that's where self that's one of the building blocks of self belief that you can mm-hmm. then transfer to other things. You know, it's sort of like I can I can sit down and I can throw a pot. I think you'll be able to tell somebody how challenging that is, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Tell somebody right. how challenging it is to throw a pot. It is so challenging. You've got to have focus and attention. You've got to bring all of your uh, your, your your absolute focus to bear. You've got to have hands that uh, work together that are steady and that I mean your eyesight. Everything comes together. Everything's coordinated in order to make a pot that's actually straight. Otherwise, you know, in a, a heartbeat, that it all goes awry. So, mm-hmm. by the way, one of the things I really want to do in life is sculpt with my hands because I'm very good uh, with my hands. I, mean, I just haven't had that, that opportunity as of yet to either take a piece of clay or take a piece of soft sandstone or something and make something with some tools mm-hmm. or with my fingers or whatever. It's just, to me, it's just so exciting to, to do that. Um, and I, so, good. Well, I, was say, I, I, I,
0: I was blessed with Uh, two wonderful friends who moved to Pittsburgh for a short time they had studied pottery in Japan and they would invite me over to their house and that you know I would watch them and they were like here have some clay (laughs) and you know they showed me how to work it and I thought I thought well I can't do this I don't know what this is and they said, just play with it, ask the clay what it wants to become. And yeah, you know, I, I just, yeah. and I have this little line that, it. you know, it, as I, you know, would start to play and I think, oh, you know, this goes here and this goes here. And I just sort of felt like this is when it was done. And it thought, I think that's a really great metaphor, the, the clay, because it is, it's something it's that comes alive and, you know, there mm-hmm. is no, right or wrong and i think that's in life we get so um kind of pigeonholed into that i had a, right. a mm-hmm. good friend that um he was a, a x games bicyclist he was a trick bike rider wow really awesome. and he mm-hmm. you know he's, he was known as the canadian beast and jay was amazing at the things that he could do he, he wrote for Schwinn and here in Pennsylvania they have a, a, a camp that they come and they inspire young kids and they teach them and train them and whatnot so that's sort of how I got to know Jay but uh, later on in life that you know it's a it's a tough sport you know, how many broken bones he had on his body over the course of his career was, uh, you can't even count. And, uh, yeah, but now he is a woodworker. He makes the most fantastic furniture, and it's sort of the same thing. He looks at this piece of wood, and what does it want to become? And And mm-hmm. I think that it's, you know, whatever it is when you uh wake up in the morning you know so you ask yourself you know what would it look like for you if you asked yourself you know whether you're a piece of wood or a piece of clay or whatever you know what if you accepted exactly where you are what would you become what do you want to become and then if you don't achieve that in a day or a week or a year you know forgive yourself and allow yourself to you know keep moving keep moving forward
1: <laughs> right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, you accept you, you you accept where you are and seek uh guidance internally or divinely, spiritually, however um it it's the case uh to um, to be uh, in a way just to 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 when, in a lot of it's about intuiting. Intuiting. Mm-hmm. And and that's really what you're what you're doing, and um, that's, that's one, of the, one of the most amazing things that uh, uh, I think is, is, is amazing. It's it, it, that when you, when you actually hold that clay in your hand and you, uh, you intuit something, you know, out of it, uh, we don't really, we aren't taught to uh, get our intuition rolling to to um, I say use our to, to move forward in life and think from intuition um, inspiration uh, those little aha moments we're not we're not taught to embrace them we're not taught to look for them let alone do anything else we kind of kind of cubby hold into a certain way of thinking however most important thing in my view in life is to understand what is going on in your mind when you're actually looking at something I talk, mm-hmm. when I talk on stage or I, when I do an unscripted podcast and basically when I do these podcasts, a lot of what I'm, of what I'm, uh, what we're talking about or what I'm saying at least is coming from something greater than me. It has to do with me. I'm back remembering things and I, I'm, in, I'm intuiting how this conversation comes together at the same time I'm having the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a, it's, it's a skill that I uh, I believe I've developed over time, and through doing something else, I guess, do uh, my other main main career. When I have conversations with people over the phone, um, and and I can put those types of things together. We all have different skills, and we all have uh, different um, uh, focuses at any given time, and we just have to go through that process of self-discovery, if we give ourselves the outlet, the opening to be able to to do that. I think it's wonderful that you go from BMX biking uh, and doing tricks and things, uh, uh, something you've reached the pinnacle of, to to woodworking. There's a lot of similarity there. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had to intuit the tricks. He's he's intuiting all those tricks. That's what they do. They intuit unique tricks, tricks that actually get their name put on them because they've intuited Mm -hmm. something really spectacular right? And so he, he's discovered that he's also very good with his hands and he, and he gave himself the opportunity to to follow through with that, to pursue it. And uh, I'm sure he's bringing to bear the same intuition, the same creativity and inspiration that he actually um, used when he was um, a, a BMX uh, champion. I mean, an X Games champion. That's just amazing to me. Not unusual uh, for some for, for people, but Again, it's just giving yourself that opportunity, having the, being receptive, I guess is the word, that alchemy word, receptivity, being receptive and open to finding out instead of shutting yourself down, finding out, trying things. Um, what's interesting is, it's kind of, I tell a story of my sister sometimes who was uh, a, Office. She was a branch manager for Brook Furniture Rental in Long Beach. Actually, it was Orange County, and she was one of those. She ran an office, managed an office of like seven people, but it, she was very. She had a marketing degree. She was unhappy with doing that um, between the owner of the company and uh, what she, she thought that her creative talents were not being used and applied the way that they could. Uh, my sister was, my brother and I will always be creative individuals, the musicians, the singers, and the like. And my sister played piano. She she had uh, piano lessons longer than any others. Even I had piano lessons, people my girlfriend kind of laughs at now. Um, I, I had piano lessons at the same time I was having drum lessons. I just decided that drums were more fun. And I made yeah, that direction. Sure. <laughs> I, had, I had talent there. I don't know what I was doing with the piano. I could play it, but no, 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 that's not for me. Um, and we find that out, you know, through getting some lessons and finding some things. But my sister went from nothing of being being not being able to sing uh, to this was like 30 years ago. Uh, she went from that to today being an award-winning uh, creator of of early childhood education CDs, you know, um, music basically music. She's a member of uh, the Gram- Grammy Society. She um, she goes out and she talks all over the country to early childhood education teachers, uh, and administrators. And she does these most, um, the does the most amazingly creative, um, talks and presentations for, for them. And she's created tons of music, not only in English, but Spanish, because wow. she's married to a Mexican man. Her kids came up, um, sort of bilingual and, um, uh, Raised two amazingly self-actualized kids because she was always trying out her early childhood education stuff on her kids when they were four and five years old. She said, "I've got kids. I'm going home. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to make this a success." And she does. She makes. She does. She does very, very well. Now she comes to me. She says, "I want to reinvent myself." I'm going. You go for it. What is it you want to do? Whatever you want to do, you do it. I want to reinvent myself. I don't want to go out and talk anymore. I want to do whatever. And she's like in the process of reinventing. You know, I think it's her fourth act. I call them acts, you know. So we're, mm-hmm. Life is a play, and we have different acts in life. We have an early childhood act, then you go to a, a college act, and then you go to a job that's act three, and then you have that job for whatever it is, and then you decide, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a new act for myself. I'm, I'm moving forward, and I'm uh, attempting something completely different than what I've done before. And I got to tell you something that I wrote in this podcast, because this is so, so important. And I can't tell you where I got this from, I uh, can't remember the person's name. However, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever heard when it comes to uh, your own dreams, goals, and uh, and the like. And the guy said, look, <laughs> it's almost impossible to make any satisfactory progress around skeptics.
0: Mm-hmm. You've got to choose
1: your friends carefully and hang out with people who currently have some of what you want to achieve presently. Right? And And his whole this whole point, it was a hymn, I, I'm sorry, I c- couldn't come up with it, I couldn't, couldn't search it and find it, but I heard this years ago, that you have, we are all super subjective, uh, our subjective mind is, is really open to suggestions, which is why thought viruses are so incredibly powerful, when someone that you love and respect says, oh, that'll never work, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you decide to and you because you love and respect them you, you you take that thought virus and it just stops you in your tracks if you 're an inventor or you 've created something and you want to move something forward um, it 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 really you never know what it is that you could have done with it uh, had you simply said kept, simply kept your idea or your dream or goal to yourself it 's important not to let the other most important thing this person said was don't let don't tell others what you're going what you're process of achievement is. How you're going to actually make it happen. Um, and I'm talking basically not about physical but mental. Don't share that with anybody. People think, you know, it's, I, I do a lot of different things from meditation to uh, speaking with my higher self to connecting with my higher self to, you know, to, to um, connecting with my angels and seeking guidance, This all that kind of stuff. I don't even talk about that. Of course, I'm talking about it on the radio. Now, to everybody however i don't go to i don't the people closest to me have no clue that that's what i do i don't tell them my methods i don't share my methods of of how i um stay positive with in in the other ways other than what i share in my books and other things because that's something that i've developed that's personal to me and i encourage everybody to um to open the door to their higher self sit down meditate connect uh, pay attention to the what you see as serendipity, uh, and you you perceive as serendipity or coincidence or an accident. Oh wow, that this this happened really? I just thought about that ten minutes ago. Well, that's no accident. That's no coincidence. And when mm-hmm. you start perceiving the things that happen in your life in that in that fashion, uh, more things like that will occur. Our biggest uh, detriment is that we we are not open to our own, even our own intuition. Mm-hmm. We're taught that our intuition is bad. That, you know, if it's not, um, if it's not this, if it's not empirically, you know, uh, arrived at, then guess what? You know, that, that it, it's not as valid as something that you empirically arrive at. And that is a shame because mm-hmm. when we were kids. We didn't care. We were curious. We were inspired to just go do and be, and, and, and that was it and that's how you have fun
0: yep well and you you think about it michael when you're a teenager you know it all (laughs) you know it all and somewhere along the way you know people chip away at that i mean i'm not saying to to be a know-it-all but uh i think that we all came equipped with that sense of intuition it's an internal monitoring system that connects us to the divine whatever you want to call it you know uh, you know the, the big real whatever it is uh, you know you don't have to be spiritual religious or otherwise but um, you know you came imprinted with a consciousness to create mm-hmm. you know and we can create constantly it doesn't have to be perfect you know each one of us you know we put the pieces together no matter what it is we find you know harmony balance whatever it is that makes our soul sing whatever is that soul's intention it is to have that experience you know we learn you know whatever it is we're meant to learn that day failure success uh, laughter compassion kindness as you know we have talked about before you know we all want to be able to co-create with our universal consciousness and to really fulfill what it is that we came here to do on that journey of self-discovery and and that's mm-hmm. you know what I so you know appreciate uh, about you and the fact that you absolutely, you know, utilize that key, utilize all of the tools that are before you. And I think sort of that's part of the purpose here on Connect to Love, and we're so grateful, you know, to Jesse at PRNFM to give us this forum to to share what it is that we've learned, our mistakes along the way, whether it be a a nut loaf (laughs) or whatever, you know, that that there is – opportunities in whatever capacity and whatever areas that you have a passion for and uh, we're so so grateful for that and you know if you we'd love to hear your comments Uh, you know we've got the connect to love energy at Instagram so if you want to direct message us if there's a topic that moves you and inspires you. Uh, again, you know, self-discovery is a, is a big topic and we'd like to have, we're going to have some people on that have sort of shared their path and I hope that you enjoy that. And Michael, I'd love to hear what your last thoughts are on self-discovery and, and how it impacts your life and, as well as others.
1: Well, thank you. I, I, in my view, uh, I'll say this again, there is nothing wrong that you can do we have to be uh, open to new things, because that's how we intuit where we go from here mm-hmm. in life we uh, things come to us and we 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 have to make a choice to go one way or one direction or another or another. There is no wrong path it's just something that we do, and give yourself the opportunity to uh, step outside of your comfort zone and and to be uncom be comfortable with something that you're initially uncomfortable with. You'll find that as you gain more knowledge, more enlightenment about it and meet other people, relationally connect with people that are associated with it, that if you had any inclining, any inclination whatsoever to move in that direction, that it was the right thing to do at the time for you. So trust yourself. Awesome.